0: Hello and welcome to episode 206 of SMARTS, which as you know stands for Season 2 Attempts Rallying Titan Synergy. Ooh. Hi. Thank you very much. Thank you. I am your host, Julia Guglia of internet fame dash podcaster and with me as always is Trevor AKA Roediger Q podcaster. Wee.
1: Hello. Hi. So there is no news this week. Oh.
0: Less than exciting. Go straight
1: straight to our comics of the week. What was your comic of the week?
0: This week I picked Wonder Woman number 78. Um, Mostly because it was tremendously awesome. To see the results of love being dead in the world. Whoa. Um, I just liked the small and big ramifications of what that has to... um, in part to the world of how people are just being apathetic, people are like leaving their jobs, society is starting to crumble because people are just following selfish uh, impulses and not caring about the people that they've forged families with and relationships with. And you can see that manifest in um, small ways with Wonder Woman herself because she and Steve Trevor are sharing more snippy remarks to each other and. Steve Trevor especially is saying you know how all this work that he was doing to maintain their relationship he's starting to see how not worth it is it is and how he feels undervalued which he was feeling before but he was in love with her and now that love is dead then you can see that starting to unravel and I'm curious to see more of Etta and Wonder Woman's interactions now that love is gone um, before they restore everything and how interesting it is that the one person she can have the same type of relationship with is her nemesis, Victoria Kale. Veronica Kale. Veronica Kale, Kale um, who hates her. So, But that's really interesting too, right? Because isn't love kind of the opposite coin of hate? You have to actually respect somebody in order to hate them, to b- <laughs> to put them in such high import that you actually have hate for something, I don't know. There's a lot of philosophy there to unpack. But anyway, it, it, it set my mind a-reeling, and I have to tell you, so many beautiful panels, especially with Cheetah and the, the blade itself, the shattering of the, um, sh- uh, what do you call them? The bracelets that Wonder Woman was wearing. Just all of it was so tremendous. Awesome! And I really like the scenes that had Atlantides. How do you pronounce their name? Atlanteatis or something like that? yeah, something like that. Um, That was really great because Atlantiades understands the ramifications of that throughout the world and is trying to fill some big shoes and fix the fallout. So basically seeing all of those interactions and the fallout and the art and the awesomeness is why I picked it for my comic of the week. Very good. Thank you. What did you pick?
1: I picked Batman Universe number three. Oh. Um, I enjoyed I I kind of, I assumed you would pick Batman this week, so I kind of went a bit off the beaten track. Um, um, Batman was obviously also very good, but yeah, I'm enjoying Batman, knows. Batman Universe. Uh, great art by Nick Darrington, who did the, um, <clears throat> the recent uh, Young Animal Doom do Patrol run with mm. Gerard Way. Um, it's really just, uh, every issue is just two different stories of um, Batman getting into a weird situation and then... Bendis sort of writing him talking his way out of it kind of like because nice. you know snappy dialogue is sort of his his Rise calling card so he talks yeah. his way out of like a Thanagarian prison and then he talks his way out. then he, he and uh, Hal Jordan go to Dinosaur Island where they're probably going to have to talk their way out of um so, well, they, well no they, they they mostly just talk to each other and then at the very end they get sent to the Old West where they're, he's going to have to talk his way out of being shot by Jonah Hex. yeah um but it's it's the the art is really the art is really pretty and the dialogue is, is a lot of fun. It's just it's just fun, colorful, you know, throw Batman into weird sci-fi situations and a cup and a bunch of different see ways. See what happens. Yep. See what he see how he gets out of it. So it's a lot it's a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying the series.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed that too. And for the record, my honorable mention is definitely Batman because Tom Selleck. The <laughs> Magnum Magnum Batman. Yes. Batman P I there's something there. Tom Batman. Bat Magnum? Bat Magnum? Magbat? No. No. Well, uh, <laughs> gotta keep looking. Okay, but
1: yeah. Yes, that was also very good. So, you ready for your pop quiz? I am ready! So, this week, because of the stuff that's happening on Titans, I'm going to quiz you about Deathstroke and other media. Okay? Ooh! Alright, so these are multiple choice questions. Okay. Are you ready? Thank
0: goodness. Okay, yes. number one. Uh-huh.
1: Which actor has not voiced Deathstroke in animation? Okay. Okay? Ron Perlman? Uh huh. Miguel Ferrer? Keith David, or Wentworth Miller? Ooh. Silence.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Sorry, silence is boring. What are the options again?
1: Ron Perlman, Miguel Ferrer, Keith David, or Wentworth Miller?
0: I think it's Ron Perlman.
1: No, Ron Perlman, in fact, voiced him before any of these other people did. Ron Perlman voiced him for years on the Teen Titans cartoon.
0: Oh.
1: The correct answer is about... Keith David. Really? Wentworth oh. Miller voiced him for one episode of Young Justice before being recast, and Miguel Ferrer voiced him for the uh, Teen Titans, the Judas Contract animated movie that came out a year or two ago.
0: Oh, all right.
1: That was his last role, apparently, before passing away.
0: All right. No, I remembered that Miguel Ferrer did voice him, yeah. But, uh, Okay.
1: Alright, number two. Mm-hmm. Which Battlestar Galactica actor portrayed Slade Wilson on Smallville?
0: Oh, I okay. have no idea. This Was is a it shut Edward down
1: James down. Almos, Michael Hogan, who played Colonel Ty, Tom O'Pennickett, who played Hilo, or Jamie Bamber, who played Apollo.
0: Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to say the guy who played Hilo.
1: No. It was Michael Hogan who played Colonel Ty. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> <clears throat> Although Tom O'Pennicott would make a pretty good younger, like Manu Bennett That's what I'm age. saying. I
0: thought it was, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a proto because, you know, we got Tom Welling as a proto Superman. And,
1: okay. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Number three. Which Deep Space Nine actor portrayed Deathstroke in the Injustice video game?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Was it Mark Limo? Casey Biggs? Michael Dorn or J.G. Hertzler?
0: I bet you a million Deutschmarkers, Michael, um, Mark Alamo.
1: No, it was J.G. Hertzler. No.
0: Oh, that would be so good. That's good voice casting. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I should have gone for that one. Okay. All right.
1: Have you gotten No, you've gotten all these wrong so far.
0: Yeah, pr- all right. pretty much.
1: final question.
0: Okay, for all the marbles.
1: So, Joe Mangin... Jim, uh, <laughs>
0: you won't do that again? <laughs> Joe, no, stay in
1: right. <laughs> Joe Mangin- the... Joe Manginiello. What? You know him, right?
0: Um, yeah, friends with my friend So
1: he played Deathstroke in the brief post credit scene in the Justice League movie when he appears oh, on sure. Lex Luthor's lot? Yeah. Lot? Yacht? Yacht? <laughs> yeah.
0: You, you want to go this segment again?
1: He's on a lot of yachts. <laughs> so Joe Manjin in yellow <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> portrayed Deathstroke. Okay. And was slated to reprise the role in which aborted slash retooled DC movie? Hmm. Okay. So now presumably not, not happening because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of turnover in these movies. Flashpoint, mm-hmm. Man of Steel 2, The Batman starring Ben Affleck, or Suicide Squad 2.
0: I think Suicide Squad 2.
1: No. He was going to be the main the villain in The Batman. Oh! Ben Affleck's The Batman. Okay. Well, Whatever. I mean, I suppose it's still possible in the, in the new, you know... Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson era that he could show up there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. it seems more likely that they've got an entirely new script and an entirely new premise. So
0: yeah.
1: he, he might appear later in some other movie. They might like, deploy him somewhere else. But it really felt like that was setting up a potential Justice League two Legion of Doom kind of thing that yep. we may or may or may not happen because Justice League didn't do very well. But anyway. Cool. So you get zero out of four. Yeah. One of the lowest scores you could possibly get.
0: One of, yeah.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. So the only show we have to talk about this week is Titans.
0: Titans. So we have these. That's my acronym.
1: We have the season premiere. Yep. Which was Trigon. Which was. And, and then the yeah. second episode, which was called Rose. Yes. So this is sort of an interesting case study because I feel like these two episodes couldn't couldn't be more different. The first one, so yeah. I was telling you, I was talking telling you a little bit about this that I that originally the this premiere, it's not like they shot it and then held it mm-hmm. over. But the original plan for the season was for this to be, or an episode similar to this, to be the first season finale. But instead, it's somewhere along the way, they decided to end the first season on a cliffhanger and hold the conclusion to be the premiere of the second season. And I feel like that might have worked if they'd done it differently. But I feel like it just it didn't work here at all because it, all of the all of the tension and the build up from the first season is gone because you've waited a, a year, right? So instead of being thrown into some new, you know in Medias Res crazy situation or having like a slow build-up, you know, right. to, you're sort of thrust back into the moment and you're like, but you're not, you know what I mean? You've kind of like lost a bit of the attachment to the characters because it's been so long and you're trying to remember like where everybody was and what everybody's emotional state was. You can't be expected to just dial back into that that mindset. Right. And so by, and by the time you're we there, the episode is mostly over. And it also felt really... By the numbers, like, okay, we're going to show Trigon corrupting each of these heroes. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see Raven reaching each of these, you know, like, I guess she only reached Dick, but it felt like they were like, okay, now it's time for Hank and Don to be corrupted. Now it's time for Corey to be corrupted. And then right. she rescues Dick and then she goes out and she fights Trigon. I don't know. It felt like, I feel like it, it might not have been a great season finale, but it would have worked better as a finale than a premiere just because we would have been more swept up in it because we would have been more in the moment. Whereas now I just felt like it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of it, you know? Right. I mean, superhero shows can sometimes have fairly perfunctory season finales just because it can be hard when you don't have a movie budget to do something like Raven versus Trigon. Mm -hmm. So I feel like having it be more emotional and character-based, where it's all about her finding the strength to fight him, and as soon as she does, he's actually not that hard to vanquish because she doesn't have to beat him, she just has to seal him away again. Mm -hmm. But because we weren't being swept up in the in the emotions of the character because we were still getting reacquainted with the character, it didn't really land to me. Whereas the next episode felt like this would have been a great season premiere, mm-hmm. and in fact, this, this this they might have even been better off. I was talking, saying this. I think they might have be, even been better if this had been like the first episode of the show instead of having a whole first season where you slowly learn about Raven and Trigon and and Dick dealing with the darkness and like. What if episode one of the show... It would have to be a little different, maybe. But episode one of the show was Dick, who's given up being Robin, but has now decided to get back in the game, decides to go out and recruit young metahumans that are in trouble and, like, at risk, and bring them to Titan's Tower to form a new team of Titans. And that was the premiere. And you could do it where maybe the person he sees on the news that convinces them that he's needed again is not Rose, but Raven herself. And Mm -hmm. so they could even have the whole Raven-Dick, you know, older brother, younger sister thing... That they had in the actual first season, but have it developed that way, where he's instead of being reluctant, instead of everybody kind of being reluctant mm-hmm. in the first season, you could have had him be the motivating force, mm-hmm. and you could still have done the whole Trigon thing and everything else, and have Gar introduced through the Doom Patrol and mm-hmm. and Corey having lost her memory or whatever, but Dig going out and finding these people instead of them just sort of randomly bumping into each other, I felt would have lent it more of a would have lent it more momentum, and by having all the more comic booky trappings. Like Titan's Tower and the training room and the code names and everything else would have made it feel a bit more superhero y. Mm-hmm. Whereas the first season really felt like it was trying to be dark and gritty and not have a lot of superhero stuff in there, but it was kind of at odds with itself because you had a hawk and dove right there in their costumes, you had Robin right there in his costume. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't even use the word Titans in the first season. Like it really felt like they were trying. They were, first seasons of DC, show, DC shows are weird that way. Like Arrow was the same way. Like it seems like, feels like sometimes. A lot of DC shows in their first season are trying to be something they're not. Legends was the same way too, and then like they sort of figure out what they want to be, almost really right out of the gate in season two. Like Flash, Supergirl, they both had really strong first seasons, but there's there's a lot of DC shows. W- well, don't w- be
0: f- uh, don't be don't be forgetting that uh, Arrow blazed the path, so they didn't want to step out with what they wanted to be.
1: Yeah, but I mean, my, Arrow, might have, Arrow might have been even more successful if they were more superhero-y from the beginning. I don't like we'll ne- we'll never know Maybe but go. i feel like for wh- whether it's reluctance or caution or whatever it is i feel like it's something that that plagues a lot of first seasons of dc shows and I really but even just like even the dialogue like even the dialogue in the second episode versus the first the dialogue felt smarter and the characters felt more real mm-hmm. you know and yeah. the, there was more humor yeah. there was there were more good character moments yeah I, I, the whole, it almost felt like a completely different show. Like, it almost yeah, felt... It and there did. were different writers, of course, but it's the same showrunner and the same writing staff. Right. But it almost felt like there was a completely different people behind the camera. when, in fact, that was not the case. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I know that... I know that um, Brian Hill, who is a writer that I... I a lot of his stuff in the comics. He wrote the Michael Cray series. He did a great arc on, arc on Detective Comics. And he's the writer now of Batman and the Outsiders. He came on, I think, a story editor for season two. Mm-hmm. So there has been some additions behind the camera. Maybe it's attributable to that. Maybe Jeff Johns stepped in after. I mean, he was he played a big role in season one. Also, he wrote some of the best episodes. But maybe um, now that his workload is a little less, he was able to sit down and say, "Okay, let's let's figure out what worked and what didn't in the first season, and let's move forward with that." But I don't know. Like I I, I enjoyed a lot of the first season, but I think. I think that we agreed that, like, between Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Young Justice, and Titans, Titans is probably, like, our last place as far as favorite DC Universe shows. Yeah. But, man, if it had been this show from... The, I mean this is one episode, so you can't really... You know, it's a little unfair to say, like, maybe the episode after this won't be very good. But, like, this is more the show that I was expecting. Like, Down to Earth, mm-hmm. you know, into everything from the... the characterization to the performances to the cinematography still feels very grounded and like real worldy and mm-hmm. it's kind of dark and gritty to a certain extent but but like Swamp Thing it was down-to-earth and, and gritty and all those things mm-hmm. but it wasn't didn't shy away from its subject matter like if you do a Swamp Thing show it should be it should have a certain mm-hmm. tone and certain characters should be there and should be recognizable themselves if you're doing a show called Titans yep. it should have a big tower Mm -hmm. and witty banter between the characters and, you know, training scenes. And, you know, even the scenes of, like, Donna and Corey sitting there on Stakeout Mm -hmm. were were funnier than most of the stuff in the first season. I don't know. Like, it really felt like a a very different, more, like, a a re-energized show. Mm -hmm. And I think that watching them back-to-back just within a few days of each other is really... The difference was really stark. Mm -hmm. Where was this show all along? You know, like, it was... I mean, maybe it wouldn't have felt as as good if we hadn't got It's hard to say, right? Like if we hadn't gotten the first season, if we hadn't gotten to know these characters, these versions of these characters in this world, would it have would it have been as enjoyable? Like if this, if if this were our first introduction to these characters, would it have been as as enjoyable? Maybe it's because we saw them go through everything we saw them go through in the first season that it's fun to see them let their hair down a little bit. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say, but the episodes in the first season that I enjoyed the most, and Jeff Johns wrote a bunch of them, were the ones that were less concerned with the whole bringing the team together, Trigon as the big threat storyline, and more concerned with, like it was, it was a character study. Like the episode that was mostly about Donna Troy, or the episode that was about Hank and Don and how they met each other, or the Doom Patrol episode, or the Jason Todd episode. Like those were those I thought were the best ones because they focused more in the character and those characters I thought were really well done and like straight out of the comic. The Doom Patrol, was this is before we got the Doom Patrol show, but they were straight out of the comic. Donna was straight out of the comic. All of her, all of her characteristics were there. Um, whereas a lot of the main characters in season one seemed very different than they were in the comics. You know, like we talked about how, you know, Dick and Starfire seemed a lot more bloodthirsty, for example, than they were in the comics. So... I don't know. I feel like and but but this this Dick who's kind of and again maybe it's because he's been through the stuff in season 1 he was sort of in, been through the crucible and he came out and you know was confronted with the darkness within himself and decided mm-hmm. to turn away from it and everything but the the sort of big brother mentor um protector of of young heroes Dick Grayson is one of my favorite aspects of him like sort of the you know the big brother of the DC universe mm-hmm. is one of the things that I I really love about the character and so seeing him grow into that here is is great seeing Raven be a lot more confident and self assured. I mean, there's trappings like having the bluer hair and the gem in her forehead and everything, um, but seeing her be more more confident and self assured. But I'm glad. And that wise. i right, and which she was always wise in the comics. Which was, I mean, I guess recently they've played her more as like maybe the the goth teenager, but traditionally she was the sort of wise, distant presence. But I like that even after, even though she defeated her father in the premiere they still had that scene here where she's got like the, the darkness is still trying to get out or whatever like you can have her be wiser and more mature and more confident while still having her be plagued by that stuff. if she was completely in control of it all the time then it wouldn't be Raven like she needs to have mm-hmm. be struggling constantly to maintain that balance um and it's interesting to see Jason having a... I didn't I didn't think that they were going to bring him in as like a team member. I thought mm-hmm. he would continue to be like the side character that would come in periodically for them to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. But having him in the mix, like he was never really a Titan. He was like a Titan for five minutes in the comics before he died just because it felt like, well, he's Robin, so he should hang around with the Titans a little bit. But it never really was a thing. Mm-hmm. Having him in this mix is really interesting. Like, having him be kind of the bad boy, but also... so a lot of the stuff that was great about him in the first season, like... He's the bad boy, but he also looks up to Dick and kind of wants his approval Mm. and wants to, wants to please him. Mm -hmm. So, and Dick does a really smart thing here and it's a little manipulative, but all leaders have to be a little manipulative in order to get their, the recruits to sort of gel as a unit. But the way he sort of said to Jason, and I don't think he was lying, but Mm -hmm. he definitely was appealing to a very specific Mm -hmm. aspect of his personality. Like, oh, you know, like you can see the way the others look up to you. So it's important for you to set the tone. Like, but, but it's 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 good it's not like Batman manipulative it's mm-hmm. it's nightwing leadership where he's not lying. he's appealing to the better part of him you know he's telling him something which is true and that he knows will will make Jason like rise to his you know like appealing to his better angels like rise to be the the guy that he knows he can be mm-hmm. instead of you know instead of putting him down or like negging him or like there's a lot of ways to get what you want out of a troubled kid, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of ways you can manipulate, like the way Deathstroke manipulates Tara, you know? You can take a, a troubled teen and manipulate them to do what you want by making them feel like you're their only support or, or any, but he's like, you know, he's giving him support and he's also challenging him and he's, you know what I mean? Like, I really enjoy those scenes too because you don't you don't get a lot of that in the comics either because they didn't interact that much before he died and then when he came back he was Red Hood so it was often this whole other thing and you mm-hmm. never really got the, the version of Jason that looked up to him and wanted to please him because yeah. he's sort of past that now in the comics, or at least likes to behave that he, behave that he doesn't need anybody else's approval. Mm-hmm. So you don't get as much of that. It's more like a thing between him and Bruce you get in the comics where he, he acts like he doesn't care what Batman thinks, but he yeah. really wants his approval. Um, it's interesting, and so I guess maybe the other thing um, that that we should talk about here is the uh, is a couple of appearances by Ian Glenn as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's sort of like a weird accent thing going on, especially mm. in the first episode, where maybe he's he's not super great at doing an American accent. Yeah. Um, but that aside, it's a really interesting take on the character, and it's not really what you would think after watching the first season. The way, you're, the way you picture him in your mind based on Dick's the way Dick talks about him mm-hmm. is like this guy who's like super hardcore. Like he's in it. He's like Dark Knight Returns Batman. He's like the hardest of the hardcore. Mm-hmm. And if he's like a little older than we're used to seeing Batman, he's older in that like Frank Miller grizzled Dark Knight Returns kind of Batman. Mm-hmm. Not being the sort of like sweet, laid back, like half Alfred, half mm-hmm. Batman guy, you yeah. know, who's like maybe in his, who's maybe like 55 and has sort of realized what's really important in his life. And he mm-hmm. just wants to be a good dad to Dick Grayson. Like, This is the guy you were mad at all season? But (laughs) I feel like it kind of works because, yeah, like Dick had built this guy up in his mind to be the cause of all of his problems. Mm -hmm. But once he actually gets his head on straight and sits down, he's like, yeah, you did a lot of great things for me. It's one of my favorite scenes in any comic. We've talked about this before, but one of my favorite scenes in any comic is when uh, at the end of the arc where, you know, Bruce got his back broken then he went off and got himself back together and Dick Grayson was Batman in the meantime mm-hmm. and then when he, for the first time Dick Grayson was Batman not the really good time when mm-hmm. Greg Morrison wrote it but the first time yeah. and then Bruce came back and they had this whole scene they had this whole conversation like about being about them being you know father and son basically and and um, all the stuff they talked about which we've talked about before here where Dick was like you know it might not have been a normal childhood and yeah he probably made a lot of mistakes but you did the best you could and and the one thing that, I, that I'll that i never forget is, like, you shared every part of yourself with me. Like, you didn't try to wall me off. You didn't try to keep me from this. Like, mm-hmm. you showed me who you really were, and you let me be a part of every part of your life, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that meant everything, you know. So and they have a very similar conversation here, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, it was a screwed up childhood, and you kind of turned me into a child soldier, but you this was what you knew, and you didn't try to... Keep me from it. You let me embrace it, you mm-hmm. know? And you, and you were doing it to try to protect me and to make me better, you know? And you, to focus you weren't anger. Give me a focus you were, Yeah, like, I might have felt like a child soldier, but mm-hmm. you, were, you weren't trying to create a child soldier. That was just how I felt. You were just trying to help me deal with my grief, mm-hmm. you know? And then there's another great scene in the second episode um, where he says if you had to, you know, even after the way I treated you and the way I used to talk back to you and the way I resented you every night mm-hmm. back then, even though I would go out with you and fight crime i always resented you for it even after all that grief i gave you would you still have taken me in he's like i wouldn't have done anything differently you Mm -hmm. know and you kind of feel like maybe you should have done some things differently (laughs) but the sentiment is is there like he would never like and i that's another thing that i really love about their relationship in the comics is that batman sees himself as like a deeply flawed imperfect broken person Mm -hmm. and dick grayson like when he looks at at Nightwing, mm-hmm. he sees the best thing that he ever did. You know, the best thing he ever did was create this young man, cool, who who is better than him in every everyone, who has the best parts of himself and his mission, mm-hmm. but isn't isn't dragged down by the same demons. You know, like mm-hmm. he was able to to create this guy who is who will surpass him. You know, yeah, and that's one of the great things I love about the relationship too. And I feel like that was that's in play here. Right. So if all we get is every couple of episodes, like Dick calling up Bruce and just having like a sweet. dad dad talk with him like that's great I'm all for that so it it is a very different version of Bruce Wayne Um, and you kind of see him walk out of the manor in the first episode and if you didn't know that this guy was going to be playing Bruce Wayne you're like oh is that Alfred maybe is kind of what you would think like you just showed a still of him walking out of the manor Mm mm-hmm and you maybe put him in a suit or something instead of he's walking out like a polo shirt or something. Right. But if you if you put him in a suit, not like a butler suit, but just like a generic looking mm-hmm. suit, and you had him walk out of the manor and you showed it to a bunch of Batman fans, like, oh, here's a scene from the new episode of Titans. You'd be like, oh, cool. Is he going to go and see Alfred maybe? Mm-hmm. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's not like Alfred has to have a mustache. Michael Caine didn't have a mustache. Yeah. Jeremy Irons didn't have a mustache. Right? I
0: didn't even think of Yeah.
1: So, but yeah, having like this sweet old guy be... But I feel it's it kind of weird if they ever have to put him in costume in the show, right? Like, I'm not sure this guy's got know. the I physique for it. I don't
0: know. I think he can pull it off. I don't know, but He's it would feel kind board, of weird.
1: Like, the had that sort of wrinkly, kindly face underneath, like, a He's hardcore... He's
0: super wrinkly. I don't
1: know. I don't know. I think, it would be, I think that they cast this guy thinking that they would probably just have him be Bruce Wayne on the show and not Batman. I think hmm. having an actor suit up as Batman on Titans is maybe a little farther than the movie folk want them to go. Like, you can have a guy play Bruce Wayne sitting around the manor, but you can't have Batman, Batman be on your show. Uh, something tells me that's probably the line that they were able to... Toe. ...to delineate between the movie stuff and the TV stuff. Sometimes there's weird restrictions like we've talked about, so... Yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I, really, I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to... I mean, there's the whole rose Slate Wilson thing. We didn't right. even talk about that. We got a couple of scenes of uh, Isai Morales in the first, first episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: Haunted Mountain Man Deathstroke. Yeah. who looks like he that that's that's some a version of Deathstroke we haven't seen before either like usually like he's always sort of vaguely haunted because of stuff that's happened in his past like right. you know the lives he's I guess he doesn't really sweat that much of the lives he's taken but like the tragedies that have befallen him you know like his son getting his throat slit and all that other stuff and depending on where we are in his timeline his other son dying mm-hmm. you know in his contract on the Titans that then he picks up so how much of that has already happened by this point? Because clearly he's had his run-ins with the Titans already. Mm-hmm. Jason Todd knows who he is. He's like a legend mm-hmm. here. So Dick is going to know who he is. He mm-hmm. doesn't seem like he knows who Rose is. Although we talked about, like, does he maybe n- suspect who she is? Right, it yeah. would kind of be in character for him to know that. Um, it's sort of a big coincidence otherwise, but we'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. But he sees the Titans are back in business. And he uh, he shaves his mountain man beard down to a, a studly goatee and goes to see... Um, a guy who brings him to a suit, and I'm like, oh, is this the show's version of Wintergreen? Maybe like he doesn't look like when he doesn't look like a
0: no, you know stiff upper lip British, British uh, SAS suit.
1: agent for the comics, but yeah. who knows? Um, suit looks pretty cool. So is the thing like I'm assuming that something happened, somebody died, maybe somebody, maybe people on both sides died, maybe a Titan died, maybe a Wilson died, and the Titans disbanded as a result, and Deathstroke retired as a result, mm-hmm. but now it's kind of you kind of had detente but now it's like escalation again like the titans are back for some reason he feels like he's got to come back you right, know and right. now they're on a collision course again and um so is he after so if but if he was in seclusion then is he's probably not the one after rose so who is after rose that's right. that's an open question
0: yeah
1: um yeah, and we know that we're not just getting Rose, we're getting Jericho. Um, the whole stuff we have, like, we also, we're also also getting Superboy and Crypto. Like, that, mm-hmm. be, you know, like, that almost seems like it's a completely different, gonna be a completely different show from this. It'll be interesting to see how they fit all that in there. But just having the team together.
0: Well, don't forget in the previews, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think your suspicion is correct that at least a t- different Titan died. Because, um, like, you may be onto something. Because if you remember in the preview, there was that scene where. Donna Troy in her outfit, in her hero costume, was yelling at Dick, saying, like, Do you want the past to happen again? Don't are you gonna tell them what happened?
1: Yeah. Well there's I mean, to to read into it a little more, we know that an actor has been cast as Aqualad on the show we've seen him in trailers and stuff, but mm-hmm. he's nowhere to be seen in the present day stuff. Yeah, you mentioned. And of course he was a founding Titan in the comics. So my suspicion would be that something happened and Aqualad died and that's where the Titans disbanded. Um, there's some evidence to the contrary, like when Gar walks into that, the room where there's the spot where they each, where their costumes would have been yes. hanging, but there's only four there that said like Robin, Wonder Girl, Hawk, Hawk Dove, Dove. Yeah. but maybe they took his down because they couldn't stand to look at it or something, but all the, um, all the shots we've seen of Garth in the trailers mm-hmm. are Garth with Dick in his Robin costume, Donna in her Wonder Girl costume. So far we've only seen them wearing those suits in the past. Yeah. Dick I would be very surprised if they had Dick put the Robin costume on again, the president. It feels like exactly. he's past that. And if we see him suit up again later this season, it will be his night win.
0: Yep.
1: If, if Donna teased it, too. If Donna suits up again, she might put the red costume with the gold stri- the gold stars back on. I think it'd be cooler if they had her put on like the black and silver costume from the comics as okay. a way of... Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Advancing just, her Just forward. go by Donna Troy or call her Troya Either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, Hawk and Dove are still Hawk and Dove. That's the other thing we didn't even talk about. like they're they're like they retired to be like ranchers slash youth counselors, I guess. yeah, like that was a that was a cool bit there too. Like it really felt like they that's the other thing is that there was a time jump. So it would have been perfect to have it be the season premiere because then we're we see all the characters that we got to know in the first season, but they're all in different different situations, exactly. and some of them are like, oh, they're retired, mm-hmm. and they're living in the tower, and, and like, you know, they would have been like, oh, well, this is cool, like, time has passed, and now we've got to catch up with these characters again, or instant, instantly we're hooked, because I'm like, oh, how did they get to this point? Like, what made them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what made them retire to this place, and, like, why did they decide to move into the tower, but instead, you know, so I don't know. Um, but that was all good. We don't really get a lot of, get to know Rose very much here, but she seems... Definitely to be the more um, damaged, uh, dangerous Rose from certain arcs of the comics, including the current one, mm-hmm. as opposed to the more laid-back Rose that was actually like the Titan's nanny for a while. Like, she would watch Roy's daughter while they went off on adventures before she even had a costume or a name of her own. Awesome.
0: By the way, speaking of Roy, did you notice that it popped up on her? They dropped no? They yeah. dropped
1: the name twice. First, they were... first. Uh, um, Corey said to Donna, "Oh, yeah, I guess the Roy Harper tip didn't pay off after all when they were looking for Shimmer, and then later the name actually popped up on Donna's phone. Mm-hmm. So, I guess so. I mean, maybe they'll clarify later. Again, like they seem they seemingly listed who the original Titans were, and Speedy was not in that list. Um, so he could just be a guy that they knew, like someone who helped them out back yeah. when they were the Titans." I think they're just being cute about it because they know that he's supposed to be an original titan. But I think because he's a character on Arrow right now, they don't want to duplicate too many characters. Yeah. Same reason why Kid Flash probably isn't here, because mm-hmm. um, the other original titan. So I think they're just you know whether whether some executive is saying you cannot use these characters or whether it's just them saying you know what let's not duplicate characters that are currently on the air on another show. Right. Okay. Let's okay. use different characters mm-hmm. like Hawk and Dove and Beast Boy and Raven that aren't currently being seen in live action. Hmm. Um, Hopefully that's it because I'd like to think that these things come from a creative place rather than somebody just drawing arbitrary lines down the field and saying no, you can't use these characters. Right. Um, but to have references in them, mid, so it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some reference to somebody named Wally on the show, for example. And they we're like, oh, like they were there, and maybe they were other, maybe they were other superheroes that helped them out, or maybe they were just you know, but they weren't officially Titans. Or they, right. And then, or you know, they get to season three or season four, and they want to have the Flash show up and reveal that he used to be a Titan when he was younger. They could do that. So right. Yeah. So what so I have been talking a lot, but do you do you basically agree agree with everything I said?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I agree with That's great. Okay. So that's okay, it for our show. Out, yeah. Yeah. Go
1: ahead.
0: Um I think my bigger issue was definitely with the episode where she where Raven had to face off against Trigon. Just because I felt like the stuff with all of the teammates getting corrupted, each one of those scenes felt completely unnecessary and sort of unearned. Like Here's a fast way that we can get them all corrupt for you. Some of them
1: just seemed like non sequiturs. Like, yeah. like Hank convinces Dawn to take drugs. Yeah, what was that? Like where would that like I get that I get that he's got the addictive personality and maybe he like drank and did drugs or stuff while they were fighting crime. So maybe like she would she would be afraid that he would try to get it. but it wasn't even clear which was that his nightmare or hers or both of them and like a shared nightmare and right. why the drugs specifically, like Yeah. There's so many, I feel like there's so many other things that are more rooted in their characters, yeah, as we've gotten took, to see them in the first season, that would be believed. Like, as as over-the-top as Dick Grayson breaking Batman's neck with his boot mm-hmm. after he basically kills everybody. Yeah. And, that, like, as over-the-top as that was, like, this version of Dick Grayson, like, if you want to drive him to his ultimate breaking point, it would kind of look something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's And a, it took
0: an entire episode right, for try like to get him there.
1: That's That's... that's over the top, but at least it's a it's it's a logical extrapolation from the character. Right. But Don suddenly ODing on drugs seems mm-hmm. way out there, mm-hmm. like and not not like anything that you could extrapolate from the right. characters that we've seen.
0: And after all the stuff that um, the the team went through, um, or Corey for just decided okay, to kill Yeah, Raven. let's just yeah. kill her right there. No, it didn't feel earned. And I felt like it was a waste of time in comparison to what could have been a yeah. uh, a better character that's why, development yeah. moment for Raven. That's why actually, I said it kinda yeah. felt
1: like going through the motions. Like, okay, now we're gonna take fifteen minutes and show every yeah. single cast member having yeah. some dark moment. Mm-hmm. Like J- like the two Robins fighting each other and then Jason that was kind of cool, where like where where Dick is like, Oh, the gun that killed Bruce's parents. You don't think he actually keeps that loaded, do you? And Jason's mm-hmm. like, No, but I do and he shoots Dick in the middle of the head. Like Yeah, yeah. That's again, that's over the top, but yeah, like if Jason walked in and found that Dick had murdered Batman Mm -hmm. I could see him killing Dick in reprisal like Jason kills people in reprisal a lot in the comics right? Like Mm -hmm. true when he's older and he's gone through a lot more stuff but that at least again is a reasonable extrapolation whereas Mm -hmm. some of the other stuff just seemed like it seemed, it seemed like a lot of like darkness for darkness sake
0: mm-hmm.
1: like uh, you can have darkness like there was a lot of there's a darkness in young justice there's a lot of darkness in swamp thing certainly mm-hmm. but it felt justified by the story they were telling and where the characters were Whereas i think there was a lot of darkness in season 1 of titans um, that that didn't really feel earned it just felt like darkness for darkness sake
0: yeah and, and that's and, what i was saying and you kind of it. you kind
1: of get acclimated to it for a while for a while when you're watching season 1 every week and you sort of get into the groove a little bit but then after having a year off to be thrown right back into it in the premiere and have it be even more darkness for darkness's sake, it reminds you like this is too much, you know. Like you don't, it, the, the story doesn't need to be told this way, you know. Right, right. And then it felt like they recalibrated, like we say. So
0: yeah,
1: I feel like ultimately it was a it was a bad decision to, if they were gonna if they were gonna have a cliffhanger, you could ha- have the exact same cliffhanger in season one, but I don't think I feel like they just shot the script that they had. Yeah, for yeah. episode thirteen mm-hmm. as episode. Two hundred and one. Instead of saying, it you know, felt what like
0: they tried to put put four episodes worth into that one episode, though. That's well, what it pa- felt like
1: pacing isn't pacing issues aside. It felt like they just took the script for what would have been the season finale
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and shot it as the season premiere. I feel like they should have taken a step back and said, you know what? It's been it's been a year. You know, the audience is is going to be in a different place. We need to like re- restructure this a little bit.
0: See, that's the thing, though. I just don't think that it would have made a difference to me if I had seen it closer to the end of the last season because that's just how I feel about that. I I feel like the episode as it is no matter when I would have seen it would have made me feel this way. I would have actually felt a little bit more shortchanged to see this as a season finale after all that build-up rather than a season premiere after this because at least as it ended last time it was easy to sort of find the cliffhanger moment and look forward to the season premiere where you get that fight between Trigon and Raven and really between Raven's one side and her other side and her finding some peace and balance in defeating her father and finding that self-confidence. But they really paid so little um, attention to the depth of the story by kind of you know, filling it with filler, uh, filling filling the episode with filler that I don't care when I would have seen it. I feel like I would have been bothered by it if it were the season finale and as much as it, I was bothered by it seeing it as the season premiere. Just because I feel like Raven's story got so robbed, we didn't even get any mention that she trapped her father in the gem inside her head.
1: Well, that's a cool thing that some versions do, but to me that's not like the idea that she has this cool gem in her forehead that's like the 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 centre of her power or something or like the 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 focus of her power. Like the idea that she traps her father in there I is not as not as a set to me it's like it's a cool thing. Like I don't even think it, there was a backstory behind it in the comics originally. I think it was just part of her look. Oh. And then think they, they they came along later and justified it. But I don't know. To to me it's just like part of her look and it's it's cool to have it there and they kind of give it a justification but yeah, to have it, her father it, trapped in there. I don't know. Yeah,
0: even that felt weak. It doesn't make sense for her to be walking around with a gem inside
1: her head. It's just, it's kind of weird. Well, her father like put it inside her so that no, she could that, channel but... her power more or something. But then she turned it against him. But yeah, they right. could you they crushed her broken they heart. And they could have They could have fleshed it out a bit more. It
0: felt a little bit just. kind of... The other jazzy. thing that
1: was strange is like she vanquishes her father and then she just like I guess walks. Past mm-hmm. the corpse of her mother.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's completely unremarked upon. Like the whole first season, not the whole first I this
0: season, time. but a major
1: threat in the first season was about her finding her mother, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there, and then her mother turned out to be evil, but no mention, no follow up on the fact that her mother was murdered here. Like there's right. literally not a single word spent on it in the dialogue. Yeah. Or, or a single look.
0: No, like nothing.
1: Like they, it would have taken like two seconds. You could have even shot it in pickups. Where the where she's walking past her mother's corpse and she looks down mm-hmm. and she she's she's got like a moment of, of like you can see in the actress's face both silence and pity like sadness but also pity mm-hmm. and then like resignation as she like she stops she looks at it for a second she's sad mm-hmm. but yeah, you know yeah. I mean, finds her in it and then she walks way. past it right? right you don't even need her her to like weep because yeah. she barely knew this woman it would seem forced right but you, a moment like something like some acknowledgement of the fact that That this has happened. I also
0: felt like it was useless to have um, Raven try to go into, um, and I told you this at the moment, uh, into Dick's mind to save him when he didn't do anything after that. When he didn't do anything after that. And everybody else woke up after she um, defeated Trigon. So I was a waste of time. I'm
1: not sure it was supposed to be a a tactical move on her part so much as it was. I think what they were trying to do was that. She had been brought to her lowest point, but what she needed to do was they kind of needed to save each other. She needed to. She needed, She needed. someone to show her that someone could rise up from their darkest moment of despair. And because she trusted Dick more than any of the others because he was the one that found her and saved her, she's like, okay, now I'm going to save you back. And if you can be saved in this moment, as far as you've fallen right now, then maybe there's hope for me too. And there's hope for me to find my own strength and fight my father. I think that's what they were doing. It wasn't that she needed him for some tactical thing to win the fight. Mm-hmm. She, she needed... To, she needed him to find his strength so that she could find her own. Mm. But again, I just felt like it wasn't dramatized. Like, you're not wrong. It, it wasn't dramatized very effectively, but I think that's what they were going for.
0: Yeah.
1: I think what they were going for was like, like at the end of Captain Marvel where she finds the strength that was within her and she said, st- but there it's like, it's done very effectively because the music swells and we see like the flashbacks, like all the moments throughout her life.
0: When she had to When she fell down and, and she up. had to pick yeah.
1: herself back up. Like that was, that was done effectively. But here it just felt like perf- i feel like perfunctory is the word for it like yeah. there was there was a lot of good ideas here but it just felt like if if i if i didn't know it was held back from the first season it would have felt like they were just rushing through it mm-hmm. to get to the story they decided in the hiatus that they really wanted to tell which is the story that started with 202
0: but either way i feel like the um the show is is going really well like with its new incarnation like since with the with the rose episode i think it's heading in a different and better direction so I'm eager to see what happens next. Yep. So I think that's it for our show. If you want to reach out to us, we have Twitter, at Smarts Podcast. And on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Podcast, And our email address is mailbag at smartspodcast.com. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. And how about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. I'm Trigon.
1: Pretty good.